from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, hanging out with you here on the beautiful, beautiful Tuesday, October 15th. We do want to give our best to uh, to somebody out there that's very special to uh, special to me, someone who's uh, supportive of everything that I do. We just uh, got a note today, so I, I won't, uh, I'm not going to release the name but I'm just going to say to to the very special lady out there, one of our long, long time listeners and a really good friend of mine, his wife is is uh, could be going into labor at any given time. So she's due at the beginning of November, could be going into labor today, tomorrow, the next day. So please uh, send a prayer out there if you all send prayers and, and some kind words and well wishes for her and, and for the baby and for the entire family. I'm so happy for you. I cannot wait. I'm, I'm extremely excited. And uh, and also a happy birthday to my niece, Sequoia, who turned 11 today on October 15th. So could be a baby coming and and obviously celebrating an 11-year-old, uh, you know, a, a former baby here and, and still a baby in the eyes of, of her pop. I know that, Johnny. So happy birthday to Sequoia and, and my best to the baby that'll be coming into this world soon enough. So positive messages, positive reinforcement, positive good stuff. That's what it's about, folks. We're here inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios and inside of what's popping. First on the docket after the XFL conversation is Mr. Micah Robinson. Micah Robinson played former defensive lineman for the Syracuse Orange football team. We're here to talk about so many different topics this morning, and I always appreciate having former Syracuse players on the show, current players and future, and Micah is one of those guys that I always appreciate his time and respect the heck out of. So with that being said, without further ado, let's bring him on to the broadcast. Micah, how you doing today? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, and Micah, catch everybody up. What's going on? I mean, I know that you and I have spoken and, and you've been playing off in France and whatnot. I mean, you've been all over the place. So what's what's going on in the life of Micah Robinson today? Uh, uh, nothing much, man. Uh, I uh, just recently got back home from playing football in uh, North Carolina. I was down there playing arena football in, uh, in Greensboro for this team called the Carolina Cobras. It's the, it's, it's the league was like the NAL. Almost a lot of people know about it, but it's the NAL league. Yeah, and we had went to like the little championship. We ended up losing the championship game. That was like the, the worst part of all. But it was a good experience. I had a good time down there. Met a lot of good people. Great team. Great environment. Met a, played a lot of great players as well. So it was definitely a good time. And for you to be a part of that, to be you know in an arena league and whatnot. I mean, you've you've played overseas. You've now played in, you know, you played in the Arena League. You obviously played collegiate football for Syracuse and whatnot. What have you taken away from all your experiences? Because you've had the opportunity to do so many different things, and you know what it's like to play, you know, you know, football as as we know it, you know, on the field and a normal field and whatnot. You know what it's like to play the indoor arena, but you also know what it's like to play overseas. So, what have you taken from all these experiences? Each stop I have made, I, every stop along the way has been like a different different chapter for me. And I, I've met new people, 
I've, I've learned more about the game at each stop that I've made as well. So every stop has been very, I would say, educational in a way, you know, because it's like expanding my, my, my mindset of the game. Like, like when I was overseas, I was coaching as well. I was, I was coaching and playing at the same time. When I was playing, my time during arena football, I've been, you know, just really learning the, the ins and outs of the arena because the rules are a little different. The way that the way people scheme is different than they do outside. So it's just learning, learning more about the game of football altogether. It's just been the, the, the biggest thing about all the little experiences I had or the trips, the stops I've made along the way. What have you, what have you enjoyed the most? I mean, it, from playing arena and playing overseas and. And from coaching and whatnot, I mean, what has since Syracuse? What has been your your most enjoyment out there, so to speak? Uh, well, technically, I just, I just, uh, I just enjoy competing. So that, my, my favorite part is just competing in the football. But as far as like since Syracuse, I would say, see, okay, it was hard because I enjoy real football because I feel like it's a exciting brand of football. But at the same time, I enjoy playing overseas just to be overseas and have that experience, you know, doing all that stuff over there. But if it's just on the sport alone, I would say being arena football. But, you know, if you want to call other things into it, I, I definitely enjoy being overseas. You know, that was a great experience. And for you to be overseas, speaking here with Micah Robinson, former Syracuse defensive lineman, and uh, most recently playing in Greensboro inside of an arena league here, you said you really, you know, I mean, being overseas has been special and that experience was special. You know, through the through the world of sports, there's opportunities that people get that they may never get, you know, to, to be able to go overseas and, and to enjoy that and see the rest of the world. Just what you can say about how football opened that doorway for you and, and football gave you an opportunity to travel the world and to play in another country. And just, you know, if you ever thought that the sport of football was going to open up a doorway like that. As a young kid, I never thought it would, but as more and more I've been growing up and, you know, I've definitely have seen how football has changed my life. Like, Ever since the day I got to college, it, like, it changed everything for me. Cause I, I don't think I would have ever went to a school as good as Syracuse just off the academics alone. You know, I just, it was me. I was just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I definitely think that football helped me for the better in every way. And for you, for you being over in, in France, what did you take? I mean, obviously people know that as a romantic country and everybody wants to go to the Eiffel Tower and this, that, and the other. What did you take away from France? What was it like for you? What was the experience like for you playing football in France and then and then just being in France? What what did you enjoy the most about being there? I, 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 I enjoyed uh, the, the culture, the people, the food. It, it was really different, you know, from where I'm used to. So it was really an uh, open thing. Uh, I definitely just enjoyed just, just being around the people, like the fashion, everything. Like people, like they, they take things. They, they they love they love they, they, love is big over there. If that makes sense. They love is big. They, they they're, they're very friendly. People are, are willing to help you with things. Like they're very 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 good people over there. So they typically say that, you know, French people hate Americans, but you're saying there's a lot of love and a lot of goodness. So you were treated well over there? Yeah, I was treated great. From, like, my teammates and my, my, uh, my the friends that I made were treated great. Like, I still have friends over there to the day. Like, I've been over there, like, what, four years ago. That's friends that I still call my brothers to this day. And I have to ask you this. How many people did you see propose in front of the Eiffel Tower? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see a lot, but it definitely was it's going on every day, though. You go over there right now, you will see somebody proposing 
or somebody making now some type of crazy stuff. <laughs> it's crazy. So I mean, uh, obviously here with the with Micah Robinson this morning having some fun. Micah, you know, there's so many different places that we can go in this conversation. So many different things we could talk about. But uh, I do want to go here. I don't know if you got a chance to to see it, but. Did you watch the uh, the Packers Lions game last night? Because obviously this morning the biggest conversation is on top of other conversations that are already being had. That the officiating is is blowing calls. There was the Memphis Te- Temple close game. You know, obviously Temple had one loss. Memphis had none. The call that happened against Memphis, where where it looked like it, it was a catch, and they said it wasn't a catch, takes away Memphis's perfect season in this game in a big divisional NFC North game professionally. The Lions are going up against the Packers in Lambeau, and it looks like the Lions have this victory. The Packers get a call. That changes things and obviously puts the Packers in a huge spot at 5-1, and one, and it could take the Lions ultimately out of the playoffs when all spins out of this at 2-2 two and two, or 2-2-1. Two, two and one. Did you get to see the play? Have you looked at it this morning? Because obviously the officials, as you know, can affect some games in, in, in an unfortunate way sometimes. Definitely true. Well, I, I I didn't watch the game last night, but I did watch ESPN this morning. I saw the Zach Fletcher talking about. So for me being a defensive lineman, I feel like it was a terrible call just because you know I play D lineman. I know you know uh, about all the little little pity pat things that goes on. But at the same time, I could I, I understand what you know with the with the official what they're looking at because sometimes it's hard to see all that stuff because everything's going so fast and bang bang plays. But I just feel like if it's little plays like that, then you shouldn't even call it, in my opinion. I, I don't know. I feel like something like that, you shouldn't even call with a game on the line. Let, let, let the boys play. That's how I think about it. But I don't know. Well, I mean, for you as a defensive lineman, have you not found it to be harder to play the game? You know, I mean, obviously they want to protect. You know, you look at protecting players and trying to keep players healthy and whatnot. But has it become almost impossible to be a successful defensive player, whether you're a defensive lineman or a linebacker or a corner or safety, whatever it may be, because of the fact that no matter how you hit, you have to hit a certain way. If you're in the NFL and you're running straight at a player, you can't hit them from the neck up. You can't hit them from the waist down. So you're running at 20 miles an hour. You got 200 some odd pounds on you. You're, you know, a ton of muscle coming like a freight train. And you got to jump and hope that that player stays in a certain position. And when you leap, that you hit them, you know, in the numbers and don't hit them too high, don't hit them too low. You're trying to do all of this in the grand scheme of it when the reality of it all is you're just trying to make a tackle or trying to get them to fumble the ball. How difficult is it? With all these new rules and you being a, a defensive player, how difficult is it in this in the in the actual speed of the game to follow all the rules when you're trying to make a tackle? It's extremely difficult, extremely, extremely difficult. And I, I feel like even if you do like follow the rule down to a T, if the hit looks way too violent, too big, they're going to throw a flag just because of NFL taking all these uh, what is the CTE little controversy things going on. So I feel like. All that going on, the NFL won't allow no big hits, no matter how good or clean or by the rules it was. So just that's just the way of game now, and I feel like it's really taking the love for the game away from a lot of people. A lot of people love to see the big hits. That's why they come to watch the game. That's why a lot of people even play the game. They they want to hit people. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't like. I feel like it's making the game a lot worse. Make people want to play rugby, I guess, instead of football. They've been taking the love away from it. <laughs> Well, I mean, and to me, it's it, but it is. I feel like it's it's so difficult 
for a defensive player to have to do that because if you're running full speed and you're trying to make that tackle, I mean, again, you you have to hope that a bunch of things work perfectly. You have to hope that they don't move. I mean, if you lead with your shoulder and you go and hit them, I mean, I'll rem- I remember Barry Church. So Barry Church, who uh, played for the Jaguars, played safety for the Jags, couple seasons ago, they're in the AFC Championship game. I'm covering the Jaguars. I'm in Foxborough. And Barry Church in the first half of the game, Rob Gronkowski catches the ball. We all know Rob Gronkowski is, you know, is, is like a chain-link fence. So he catches the ball. It's hard to get him to fumble. It's hard to get him to go down. So Barry runs at him full speed and lowers his shoulder and hits, and hits Gronkowski with his shoulder and, and hits him below his head. But he hits him with the shoulder, and as he hits him with the shoulder, Gronk, in as your body does move uncontrollably, his head goes down. So after the shoulder hits from Barry, Rob Gronkowski's head goes down, and then the shoulder comes up and hits the helmet after it's already connected with the body. They call it a dirty hit. They give the Patriots, you know, better better field and whatnot. And and people that are sitting there think that you know Barry Church is a dirty player. Where I didn't see him play dirty at all when he was at Jacksonville. So, I mean, that was one of the plays that I can always go back to. And I asked him, I said, Barry, what, you know, what did you see? And he goes, Dan, what am I supposed to do? It's Rob Gronkowski. I'm trying to get him to fumble the ball. What I'm not supposed to hit him hard. I'm not supposed to run at him. You saw where my shoulder hit. But of course, you know, it's, you know, they, they call that play. They think that I'm dirty, but I was just trying to make a play in the regular scheme of the game. I mean, that's one of the plays that comes up to me is you got to hope, like Micah, you're running at me, I got the ball. You got to hope that I don't lower my head as you run toward me because if you hit my helmet with your helmet in any way, shape, or form, now it's targeting and you know now the fumble gets overturned, I get to keep possession, my team wins the game, and you had a great hit that was a clean hit, but because I decided to move my head in the last possible second, now you're in trouble, you're getting fined, and your team just lost the game. That seems very unfair for defensive players. I definitely agree with that. I truly agree with that. And I feel as if, I feel like, they, how they say that defensive players cannot leading the tackle with their head down, I feel like they should make the same rule for offensive guys because when you watch offensive players run the ball or a running back or, or a linebacker or whatever, I mean running back or a tight end, whatever, when the contact is coming, when they see the contact coming, the first thing they do is lower their heads. So they play, so I just feel like if you're going to do it for defense, make the offense can't do it as well either, so it make it more even. Well, I don't, I don't. <laughs> well, that's like that's like with with the uh, with the face mask and whatnot. The defensive players can't face mask, but for how long? Well, the guys can for the most part with the stiff arm. Like yeah. they, they call it they call it here and there, but they don't call it enough for it to really be you know how they should. No, and, and you know, there's also the notion when somebody calls holding that you know they said if you go back and you watch the tape, there's holding on every single play. It's just which one do you want to call? And yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, for you, it had to be frustrating, you know, collegiately and professionally to play this game when, you know, you want to make those hard tackles, you want to make those moves, you want to get them to fumble the ball. Are you thinking that when you're in the, when you're in the grand scheme of the game and you're in the heat of the moment and you're in, you're in the motion of the game, are, are you ever thinking about, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to go after this guy, but if I hit him this way, or you see the running back come around the edge and you go to grab him and you're like, I hope he doesn't lower his head. Does this does this bother you during the game, or do you just shut it off and just hope for the best? Uh, 
during the moments, like, you, you, you try to think about those things only because you don't want to cost your team, you know, with something big going on. But at the same time, like, the best thing to do is, like, try to practice these things throughout the week. So come game day, you don't really, you know, do nothing that's going to hurt your team. That's the best thing I, I can say to do because I, I, I've tried to do it like that in the game, and I've, I've definitely cost my team some yards and stuff like that in the past. So I, I, throughout my, my time, I've learned to just try to go throughout the week and, you know, work on all that technique stuff throughout the week. So come game day, I don't want to, I don't cost anyone. So you have to hit them correctly, go full speed, know all the rules, hit them hard, think about it while you're running at them. If it's a quarterback, you might as well just two hand touch him down. I, I would, I would, I would venture to say that being a defensive lineman is is probably one of the hardest things, especially in your contract. If your contract has incentives of how many hits and how many sacks and whatnot, because of all the rule changes, you're trying to make your money. But how the hell are you going to make your money when you don't know how you're supposed to tackle somebody anymore? It's very, it's very difficult. Very difficult. Uh, it's almost impossible, like you're saying. It's very almost impossible. <laughs> so I, I, like, it's, it's very hard for me to tell you to do it one way, but then once you go out there, you go and get a flag or you know, cross your team. So I don't want to like you know, put it out there. Cause that's that's I, I try not to do that. I try not to you know, cross my team, but it's very hard with these rules. Speaking here with Mike Robinson this morning, former Syracuse defensive lineman and uh, professional, current professional player of indoor and outdoor football. Uh, Mike, I, I do want to get to this last piece before we get to some of the other things that were on the docket for today inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. Uh, for you, Mike, there, there's, a, there's that call in the NFL now that I really, really struggle with. I made fun of it last year and because I don't get it where if you are a defensive player and you run at the quarterback and you hit the quarterback, as you are going down, you cannot put all or three quarters of your body weight on the quarterback. So, Micah, how tall are you and how much do you weigh? I'm, uh, I'm 6'4", 270. Okay. So you're 6'4", 270. You're running at the Back here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Some type of rolling blackout or something happened here this morning. We apologize <coughs> for the temporary <coughs> break in the show, so we thank you for being back here with us, and uh, thank you for tuning in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. I have no idea what happened here. On Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora this morning, uh, obviously in central and upstate New York, they've been doing some construction in the areas, and somebody must have hit a line or something. I, I don't know. What do they say? The squirrel, the squirrel running around uh, the uh, the 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 poles and whatnot gets 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 zapped, and then it changes everything for everybody. So we thank you for tuning in. We thank you for being here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, currently live on MixLR dot com backslash wake up call dt and of course on wake up call dt.com where you can get the mix lr live feed embedded so we thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the show we're coming back to facebook live here momentarily we're hanging out with micah robinson so as we have this second here just give you a note that we are inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Find what fits you. Literally from head to toe, they could dress you, whatever you're looking for, at graphic tees, jerseys, 
Space Jam, Looney Tunes, a bunch of different stuff on top of the Syracuse and NFL gear. And you can also find gear for baseball. You can get your Yankees gear there right now as well. Tommy Bahama, Bamboo K, Callaway. If you're going on a golf trip, going on vacation, going on a date, you want to look nice. There's suits, there's tuxedos, there's sport coats and pants and shirts and, and literally a little bit of everything you will find at Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo. So make sure that you head over there and show them some love today and let them know that Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora sent you over their way. So with that being said, we're coming back here to Facebook Live. We're here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora this morning with Micah Robinson and Bob Casulo will be coming up as well as the ingredients to success. And we're talking about the great sport of football this morning. So let's get back to Facebook Live and get that all set and ready to go. And we're back here with you on Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash live now DT. Of course, on mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT. We had a very quick blackout. It happened for about a minute or two. So we apologize for anything. That was one of those force major things where you lose power and then power comes back. So that's only happened once or twice in 17 years that I've broadcasted. So I can honestly say I'm happy about that. And I'm also happy to be back. And with that being said, we were speaking with Micah Robinson about about hard hits and, and whatnot and how to deal with them. So Micah told us he's 6'4", 270. And so if you are a, uh, if you're a defensive player and let's say you're Micah Robinson, 6'4", 270, you're running at a quarterback. If you go to hit that quarterback and sack that quarterback, he cannot fall on top of the quarterback. He cannot have three quarters of his weight on the quarterback. Micah, when you're hitting a quarterback full force in the, in the normal flow of a game, how difficult is it to sack a quarterback without actually holding on to the quarterback? Because if you hit them and you know that you can't land on them, you have to almost hit them and push them away, which would obviously make an elusive quarterback that can run especially hard to get down. So how do you sack a quarterback by hitting them but not falling on them? Uh, it's all, I'm not going to lie, it's almost impossible. So yeah, and that, <laughs> and that, you know, those times you really just got to play football and make the ref earn his money. Like, if you go to call a call, you got to call it. Cause it's almost impossible because a lot of these quarterbacks are like, like now these days, like a lot of them are my size. Like you got quarterbacks like Big Ben and stuff like that. He's like six four, like what two fifty, two thirty. So like that's a guy like you really have to tackle him. <laughs> like he's a running back or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, that, and that's the thing is, you know, I, I looked at that and I said, okay, so they don't want you to to land on the quarterback and injure the quarterback, but you can't sack somebody. If you can't, I mean, how do you, it, it, again, like you said, it's it's nearly impossible to sack a quarterback without holding on to the quarterback. You have to hit them and push them away. Yes, sir. As almost, like I said, it's almost <laughs> impossible. Especially while these a lot of ultra-athletic quarterbacks out here, like a, a Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Hit and push is not, I don't think that's going to put him down, or hit and push, because he's too, too much of a freak athlete. So, I mean, I guess my question is, to, to round this out, is how do how do defensive players make any of the bonuses and make any of their money if the whole thing about being a defensive player is coming down with those hard hits and getting you know players on offense to fumble the ball and make mistakes? If there's all these rules against you, how do you make your money and how do you end up on a highlight reel? Well, I, I probably just got to change your way of play sometimes because, like, 
nowadays you could you could like instead of having big hits to get fumbles, you could strip the ball out, you know, like punch it out or stuff like that. You know, it's other ways around it sometimes, but you just gotta change your way of play. That comment here. Oh, sorry. What were you gonna say, Mike? No, 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 that was it. And so speaking here with Micah Robinson, former Syracuse defensive lineman and a current uh, arena player just finished up his season, also played overseas in France. Uh, Micah, fair pay for play. You obviously played college football. You know what it's like. Uh, Describe to someone who doesn't know, you know, in, in layman's terms about college football, the fact that you know, you can't really go out there and get a job. You're practicing all the time. You're training. You're, you're going to class. You're, you know, you got to lift. You got to run. You got to train. You got to do this, that, and the other. Just, you know, to speak on the the normal day-to-day for a collegiate football player because there's the notion that, well, why don't they just get a job? Well, why don't they do this? Well, why don't they take the time you have? You don't really have any time to yourself for the most part. I mean, some people would say that they do. Some people say that they don't. So describe the life of a college football player having played college football and just how difficult it is to balance everything. The life of a college of a student athlete is literally a, a 24-7 job because you start your day off like sometimes 6, 7, 5 o'clock in the morning some days. You got to work out and you got to go eat breakfast. Then you right after that, you got to go straight to class after the morning workout. You got you got classes from like what eight to twelve or eight to two. After that, usually you have to go straight to straight to practice or, or, or football meetings. And then after that, you got after practice and that you got dinner. Then you got study hall because you can't fail. If you fail if you fail school, you just no no point even being on the football team or basketball team because you can't play. So you got to do that. And then after study hall, you probably leave there about like nine or ten o'clock at night. And after that. You really don't time for a social life, so it's like you either you gotta either get back to bed, go to bed, and start over again in the morning. So it's like really a twenty four seven twenty four seven job. So with that being said, do you believe that what California did with Senate Bill two hundred six was right? Should should collegiate athletes be paid for their name, image, and likeness? Should you be able to make money off of the fact that you know obviously what you do? on a field or on a court or whatnot is is making the school money and making the NCAA money. Should should student athletes get a piece of that pie? Should student athletes get paid for their name, image, and likeness? Yeah, I, 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 I 100% agree that they should get paid for uh, likeness and image because a lot of times these people, these fans are out there buying jerseys with, with a certain number on it because they, they, they support that fan, they support that player. They support the team, they support that player because they usually buy – you know, like a quarterback jersey or a running back jersey, somebody like like the star player of the team a lot of times, and those players don't see a penny out of those jersey sales. Or like sometimes, I know I know even at Syracuse, when I was there, we would have players who did commercials and stuff like that. I don't think none of them got a dollar for none of those commercials. But stuff like that, you know, it's all that things goes into it. So name, image, and likeness is one part of the bill. The other part of the bill is the opportunity to, and, and we got somebody listening in, right now that says pay them uh, we we have a, a situation where with with the California Senate bill 206 not only would name image and likeness be something that would be paid to the players but also on top of that there would be the opportunity for collegiate athletes to be able to hire agents are you for or against a collegiate athlete being able to hire an agent while in school well, the agent thing is a little different because I know they take like a certain percentage away from you. So I, like, I'm not really sure all the 100% rules. 
But I, I don't know. I feel like it, it could help because like, it could help them, I don't know, find like commercials or find a little gig and stuff like that. But at the same time, I feel like it'll take away from them actually being a student athlete because, like, that, that, that's like I said, a 24 7 hour job being a student athlete alone. But just like I said, at the same time, I feel like it, 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 would pop, it would help only because it would help the student athlete who probably don't know much about the business aspect of it. Yeah. Lead them in the right direction. So I feel like that, it, it would help in that, in that aspect. Well, there's other states that are going after this. There's other states that are looking to do this. States like Kentucky and, and Florida and Pennsylvania and New York and whatnot. In the state of New York, they're looking to allegedly pass even more legislation, want to do even more with this. So on top of name, image, and likeness, a collegiate athlete getting paid for that, and on top of having an agent, they want to be more aggressive with it. And they said that the players should get 15% of the total ticket sales for the game. So if there's 30,000 people at a Syracuse football game, that should be dispersed. 15% of that 30,000 should be dispersed. So if we say, okay, so 30,000 people come in and let's just brass tax it, say that their tickets were 30 bucks, that's $900,000. 15% of that is $135,000. And let's say that there's you know, 100 players on the team. So each of you for that game would make $1,350. Are you for or against that, that you should get some of the ticket sales and that you should, you know, that you as a player at Syracuse would get some of the door, essentially, and that everybody that walked through the door, a percentage of that, 15%, would go back to the players and right after that game, you'd be handed a check for how many people showed up in the Carrier Dome. I do believe the players, yes. I believe players should get a percentage of that, yes. Because at the end of the day, the people are, are coming to these games to be entertained by the players. They're not coming to, to, to see great coaching matches. They're coming to see great players to perform at the end of the day. That's what they're coming to see. So, yeah, I believe the players should get paid. Now, on the other side of it, there's the argument of you're getting a free education. How do you respond to that as a former player? If you say, yes, we should get paid, yes, we should get paid for our name, image, and likeness, yes, we should get some money for the ticket sales, yes, we should look at the opportunity of having agents just to help us find the gigs and get through it and whatnot, then how do you address somebody saying, well, you want to make money, but your education is $70,000 at Syracuse and you got that for free? How do you respond to somebody saying that to you? Uh, I was, uh, that's, that's different only because, like, if it wasn't for me being an athlete, they wouldn't even try to give me a chance to get an education here. Like, you got to think about those little things. Like, I understand what they're saying about the free education thing, but it's not free because I'm really, I'm, I'm earning every part of it. And, like, you're getting, and, the, and, the, and the, the school is getting rich off of me. They're, they're, the school is gaining more from me going there than me gaining from school a lot of times. So I feel like the players should get paid just off that fact alone. The school will gain more from me than I would gain from the school a lot of, a lot of situations. Well, and I think we could go one step further and, and ask this question. If we took collegiate athletics out of it, if we just took college football out of it, would these universities succeed? So they're giving you a free education, but you're helping them to stay in existence. So here's my question to you, Micah. If we took college football, not just college, not college athletics in general, just college football, if we took college football away from Alabama and Clemson and Syracuse and, and everywhere across the country, would these universities still be in existence? That's a great question. That's a great question. I want to, I want to say yes only because of the basketball, but I, it would not be as it would not be as profitable or as you know uh, more. It won't be as popular and profitable as football is. So, 
it won't it won't be the same. It will not be, it will not be the same. But I will say it will still be around. It's all the fact that how, how popular basketball is. You know how you get like these like these great stars coming out of high school, like Zion Williams and stuff like that. People are gonna pay to watch that. Like every year, so there's a great start from out of high school. So I would say it, it would still stay around, but it would be about hanging around very about then. So when you hear, speaking here of Micah Robinson, former Syracuse defensive lineman and current professional defensive lineman, when you hear that the NCAA is a non for nonprofit organization, a not for profit organization that makes billions of dollars a year, what is your response to hearing? that the NCAA is a not-for-profit that brings home millions upon millions, billions at times of dollars. Have you ever heard of a not-for-profit making money like that? I mean, maybe maybe some of the bigger ones, maybe the Salvation Army or whatnot, but what does it make you think of when you hear the NCAA is not-for-profit knowing how much money they make? I feel like it, 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 it's, it's wild because somebody's making a profit. Like, it's not like these ticket sales are going to somebody. It's not just all going to school because all these schools don't even got new new stadiums. So, like, all these ticket sales and these jersey sales and merchandise is all going to somebody and someone. It's not the players. So, I don't know. Somebody's making a profit, a big profit at that. Absolutely. So, to look at this, in its entirety, so you want to see these changes happen. Will it destroy collegiate athletics, in, in your opinion? If we see these changes happen, and we, and, you know, in, in your case, you do right by the players, will that essentially still backfire in a way and take amateurism out of sports? Do you think we'll lose anything? No, I feel like, I feel like once you get to college anyways, it's really not amateurism no more because you're not playing for fun no more. Like, I wish you get to college, look, you take the fun away from it. It's more pressure anyway. So I feel like, with that being said, like, you're like, you're, you should definitely get paid. They, a lot of these players deserve to get paid. Like, the things that they go through, the sacrifice they make, the things. And then, like, a lot of times, people, people don't know, like, when we hear in college, there's a lot of things that go on back home with our family and loved ones, like, stuff like that, who's, like, struggling and things like that of that nature. So, like, all this, this, this money stuff can help a lot of people, a lot of families, a lot of players. Absolutely. And, and, and in closing here, words of advice for Syracuse as they stand right now. I mean, this this is a team that has had some ups and downs this season, uh, obviously have have not, you know, done everything that, that they have set out to do at this point. The team is three and three. They have not won an ACC game. They're at the bottom of the Atlantic division of the ACC. Sometimes the offense has shown up. Sometimes it has not. This past week, it did not when they lost 16-10. to 10. They got a Friday night game against rival Pitt at home in the Dome. What are your thoughts with Syracuse halfway through their season? Thoughts on the team? Words of advice? I feel like it's still early that at this point in the season that they could turn around and anything could happen. So I just feel like they stay hungry, uh, stay focused, and just make sure everybody do their job. That's all they really can do is control what they can control and play ball. This day, they still have plenty of time to, to make something happen. When when there's changes that come, like come to the offensive line, you obviously played on the D-line. You know that there's changes there and, and whatnot. So when we look at the fact that the offensive line's gone through changes and, and obviously Sam Heckel uh, trying to get back on the field and whatnot, Tommy DeVito is, is a starter for the first time in his career collegiately. And for those of you that are excited about Bob Casulo, will be coming up right after we finish up here with Micah Robinson this morning as we continue the collegiate athletics conversation. But if you look at Syracuse and know that there's offensive line changes 
You know that the quarterback is obviously changed from Eric Dungy to Tommy DeVito. The linebacker core has really stepped it up, but there's been a lot of change there with a bunch of veterans leaving over the past two seasons when their eligibility came up. We go through change, but people saw a 10-3 and Syracuse team, so some people said, okay, it's got to be 10 wins or bust. we got to keep getting 10 wins, but changes have happened, and right after those 10 wins, these changes happen to the team immediately as far as the personnel that's on the team. So what what are your thoughts? What can you say to fans about this that said, well, we have to win 10 games or or I, I don't think it's a good season or we gotta we got to go to a bowl game, got to win eight or else it's not good because the team is going through ebb and flow and, and normal things that happen. But some of the fans out there are saying, if you don't start winning, I'm not coming to the games anymore. I would say, man, if we want, we want, we want the loyal fans anyways, to be real. Like if you're not a loyal fan, don't, don't even show up. Cause they got to realize that it, it takes growing pain sometimes. Like we we're, this is like was the first year we was ranked in so long. So we, we had like a little talk on our back. So it's, you know, it takes growing pains. These, these are years they're gonna go through, and then once they, once these players learn from this, and the coaching staff, you know, everybody learns from these little, little mistakes they had early in the season. Like I said, still early in the season at that. So once all these things come together, all these injuries, you know, everybody get back healthy and things like that, I feel like this is gonna be a team, team for the ages. That coming from Micah Robinson, give the team some time, and if you're not a true fan, don't even bother showing up. I've said that plenty of times on my show, so we can we can equal each other on that, Mike. I said if you're going to put your butt in the seat, you better stay there the whole time. And so, <laughs> so that being said, Micah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you being a part of the show this morning. I definitely want to keep you uh, here during the season, get you back on the broadcast. Really appreciate your insight and and everything that you had to say, especially in the growing changes that we're having in collegiate athletics. So thank you for, for all that you did at SU. Thank you for the conversation. And, and as always, I always look forward to having you back. No problem at all. Thanks for having me as well. And go Orange.